If you've got a Bible, open it up. We're in John chapter 5. We're going to have it on the screen behind me. It's going to help if you can see it for yourself. So if you do have a Bible, open it up. John chapter 5, we're going to read verses 30 through 40. And we'll see what God has to say to us. John chapter 5, starting in verse 30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There's another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he's borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing bear witness about me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to see what's here? We don't want to import anything that is not here. We want to see So by the Holy Spirit, would you illumine the eyes of our hearts to be able to see? Would you open the ears of our souls to be able to hear? And would you get the glory as the one who has the authority, please? We want to trust you. We pray that you would make us trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last several weeks, we've been working through chapter 5, and now we're in, chap- in verse 30 through 40. Jesus has been unfolding his relationship with the Father to us. He's been telling us how they relate. They are equals. We saw that in verse 18. The Son is equal to the Father, both fully God, but the Son relates to the Father by receiving from him by imitating him and listening to him. The Father gives Jesus the job of judging the world. We saw that in the last two weeks. The Father gives that to the Son. You're going to judge the world. And in verse 30, what we just read, Jesus is letting us know, even in his work of executing justice on the last day for every soul that's ever lived, yours and mine included, He does it by listening to the Father and by judging people according to his Father's will. You see that? I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment's just 
because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If you haven't noticed this already, Jesus relies on his Father. He relies on his Father. Not just in judgment. Not just in judgment. In verse 31, Jesus is going to shift. Not only does he rely on the Father in his work of judging the world, he also relies on the Father to confirm, to endorse his ministry. So that's what, that's what this passage is about. Have, have any of you ever needed a reference for a job or for school? So you send in your CV, your resume. Sometimes the company that you're applying to wants other people to confirm whether you really are qualified. That's what I mean by a reference. Hi. This is Emirates. I'm calling about John. He says he can fly a plane. Is that true? No? Very interesting. This is Kennedy Hospital. We're calling about John. He says he's a surgeon. Have you ever seen him do surgery or heard of him doing surgery? No? Okay. Very interesting. Hi, this is whoever. We heard that John, from John, that he's a great team player. Is that true? No? Okay. Very interesting. If you're in a court of law, you can testify for yourself. Let's say you're on trial for murder. You can say, I didn't do it. I was busy all day. I couldn't have done it. But if you've got a witness, it confirms the truth. If there's someone else who can say, yeah, actually, I was with him all day. I know he didn't commit the murder. This world is full of scam artists, right? Fraudsters. I get calls from them almost every week. They will lie to get what they want. And that's why we confirm someone's truthfulness through other people, through their testimony. And Jesus is saying, that's true of me too. I've got witnesses. I have references. In verses 31 and 32, Jesus says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Now, Jesus doesn't mean he lies when he talks about himself. But what he means is, you shouldn't think that Jesus is reliable until you hear his witnesses, his references. And so he says in verse 32, there is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. That's what this text is about. It's about how John the Baptist and God the Father testify they bear witness to who Jesus is. So the way we're going to break down this text is we're going to talk about the witnesses to Jesus. That's the first thing we're going to do. And then we're going to talk about the fact that there are many people who hear people bear witness to Jesus, but they're not blessed by it. And we've got to ask, why is that? Why do some people who hear the witness... Why do they fail to be blessed by it? That's a big deal in this passage. And then finally, we're going to focus on the witness of Scripture, and in particular, how we're supposed to use the Bible rightly as a witness, because that's where Jesus goes at the end. So let's talk about the witnesses to Jesus. First, Jesus mentions John the Baptist 
as a witness to the truth. This is verse 33. You sent to John, and he's borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Jesus wants us to know that John the Baptist told the truth about him. Just from this book alone, what has John said about Jesus? This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's true. Jesus really is a sacrifice that can take away sins. What else has John said? John has said, this one's greater than me because he existed before me. So John the Baptist has said about Jesus, listen, I know that I'm older than Jesus, but actually he's existed before me. He's one with the Father. That's true. Jesus is saying, you should know that's true, what John said. John said, this guy is going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit, which means Jesus is not just going to clean the dirt off your skin with water. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to change who you are on the inside. That's true. You should listen to John. Jesus is saying, listen, I really think you should listen to John so that you can be saved. Cast your life on the truth of those statements. Jesus can change you. He's a sacrifice that really cleanses you from your sin, and he's one with God. Believe it so that you can be saved. But, Jesus says, on my reference sheet for my job interview, the testimony of a fallen man like John the Baptist, even someone as great as John the Baptist, is not going to cut it. Jesus is saying, listen to John so that you can be saved but he's not my reference. God is. I have a greater witness. Look at verse 36. The testimony that I have is greater than that of John. He's talking about God the Father. God the Father testifies about Jesus. If you need confirmation that Jesus is who he says he is, God the Father is the one who gives it. And Jesus, in this passage, is going to tell us two particular ways that God the Father does witness about him. Two ways the Father speaks about who Jesus is. And the first is through his works. The first is through Jesus' works. Verse 36 again. The testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So Jesus is saying, everything he does, his works, so that includes his ministry of miracles, that includes his works of teaching the people, that includes his works of dying and rising from the dead, He's saying, all these works the Father has given to me. And through those works, the Father is testifying that he sent me. 
That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. All of his works are a way for God the Father to say, this is my son. I want you to trust him. So the works of miracles, they show that Jesus has the power of God. You should be amazed when you see Jesus do miracles. Just by speaking with his voice, he can make a paralyzed man well. He has the power of God. And the miracles that he's doing are fulfilling Old Testament prophecies about the kind of person the Messiah would be. This guy's coming and he's giving life. He's dispelling spiritual darkness. He has power over death. Jesus' works of teaching, they show us he has the wisdom of God, the wisdom and the authority of God. Every time Jesus opens his mouth, he's revealing perfectly what the Father's like. The work of dying and rising and judging the world show us that Jesus is one with God, that he possesses infinite grace and justice in his person. And all of these works, through them, the Father is testifying, this man is my eternal son. I sent him, and I want you to trust him. That's what the works do. They are one way that the Father testifies about Jesus. But they're not the only way that the Father testifies to who Jesus is. He also bears witness through the Scripture. So I'm going to read verses 37 through 39, and I want you to notice who it is that's bearing witness in these verses. Verse 37, the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he sent. So Jesus is saying, the Father bears witness about who I am. How? Verse 39, you search the scriptures. Because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. So not only does the Father tell us that we should trust Jesus through the works that Jesus does, but also through the Scripture. The Bible's God's Word. It's God-breathed. All Scripture is God's Word. And what God is saying is, you need to know Jesus. That's what God's saying. The Scripture is spoken so that you would know Jesus. We're going to talk about this more in three weeks. But when Jesus says in verse 39 that the Scriptures bear witness to me, what he's saying is scandalous if it's not true. He's saying, I am the central figure of all the Scripture. I'm what the Bible's about. The Bible, all of it, is testifying to me. Which means, any part of the Bible that you might read any morning or night is written so that you would be able to better know Jesus. That's what it's there for. Any part of the Scripture. Now, 
That doesn't mean you're reading Judges 3 in your quiet time in the morning that Jesus Christ is going to be mentioned by name. He won't be. Judges 3 is about a few men who judged the nation of Israel. You're not going to see Jesus Christ in there. And there's not some magic code where you're trying to put together the first letter of each paragraph to find Jesus Christ magically in the passage. But you do know that Judges chapter 3 was written so that you would be able to better know who Jesus is once you get to him. That's what it's there for. He's the central figure of the word. And God is bearing witness to who he is through this book. Through this book. Read it. We say this so much, but read this book. God is testifying to who his son is in this book. When we saw, I think it was last week, Jesus says, I have life in myself. You want to be near him? You want to be near the one who has life in himself? Hear what God has to say about him through this book. This is God's testimony to Jesus. Be in it. Don't fall into the trap of thinking you can grow close to Jesus who has life in himself without this word. You cannot. You cannot. But oh, so freely, God will let you know his son through this testimony. So know this word. He's telling us an amazing thing. This book is God's testimony to him. Now, we have to ask a crucial question because I just told you that the Father witnesses to Jesus through the Scripture. So you got to read it. You got to study it. You got to memorize it. You got to meditate on it. You can't know Jesus rightly without it. But simply reading the Bible, studying it, memorizing it, does not guarantee that you will be blessed by it. Our passage is clear on this. Simply reading the Bible doesn't guarantee it's going to do you any spiritual good. The Pharisees, the Jewish leaders... They listened to John the Baptist. They saw the miracles, the works that Jesus did. They searched the scripture. That's what verse 39 says. But they weren't blessed by it. That should astound us. They did the things you think that Christians ought to do. And they weren't blessed by it. Because they didn't understand what they were supposed to from these testimonies. So let's talk about that. Let's talk why. Why were many not blessed by the witnesses that they heard and saw? Jesus is talking to people who heard John the Baptist with their own ears. We haven't had that privilege. It would be an amazing thing to hear him preach. These people saw Jesus do miracles with their own eyes. We don't get that privilege. They've studied their Bibles, and this is what Jesus says to them. The Father who sent me has borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. 
His form you have never seen, and you do not have His word abiding in you. Why? How can this be? For you do not believe the one whom He has sent. Jesus is saying, if you don't believe in me, it shows that you don't know God. You can say you've heard the voice of God, but if you don't believe in Jesus, who is the Word of God, chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is saying, it means you've never heard His voice. Not truly. Not in your soul. Not in a way that can save you. You can say that you've seen God. But if you don't believe in Jesus, the one who reveals God to us, that's chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus is saying, you don't see God. You can say you love God's Word. It's on your heart. But if you don't trust Jesus, the one to whom the Scriptures point, then you don't have God's Word in your heart. This chapter is hammering again and again and again. If you don't trust Jesus, you don't know God. You've never heard Him. You've never truly seen Him. You don't know His Word. That's the issue. Do you trust Him? Him. Do you trust Him? That's the issue for us, every one of us in this room. Do you trust Him? That's the issue for the people in this city. Do they trust Him? If you trust Him, you have everything. If you don't trust Him, no matter how religious you are, no matter how much you study the Bible or see amazing things, you can't know God. That's what these testimonies are for. If you, if you listen to John the Baptist, if you see the miracles, if you read the Scripture, but you don't trust Jesus, then you don't see or hear anything that will bless you. You can travel miles to hear John the Baptist preach, and you can love it. You can love it. You can think it's amazing. This guy's amazing because you like to be entertained. Everyone else is doing it. It would be amazing to see John the Baptist preach. But if the end result is not that you trust the person of Jesus more, you missed everything. You can believe that Jesus worked miracles. You can be confident that he turned water into wine and he healed a paralyzed man with his voice. And you can love it. You can love it. Because you love power. Who doesn't like a God who works miracles? But if the end result is not that you trust the person of Jesus, you didn't hear what the miracle was trying to tell you. You can read the whole Bible every year. You can memorize whole chapters and books you can turn to the right chapter and verse faster than anyone else in this room when I call out a passage. But if when you read and memorize, you don't come near to Jesus, trusting him more, then you missed the point. Here's what we've said so far. 
Jesus is saying, John the Baptist testifies to me, but more importantly, God the Father testifies to me. He testifies through the works that I'm doing, and he testifies through the Scripture, through his Word. And the point of them all is that you would come to me. The point of it all is that you would trust me. That's the point. And if you miss that point, you miss the purpose of John the Baptist, the miracles, and the scriptures. So, Jesus zooms in on the witness of the scriptures here. And that's what we're going to do. For the last couple of verses, he singles out the scriptures and focuses our attention on how we ought to use the Bible. This is going to be super practical for us because we're Bible people. Jesus is going to tell us how we ought to use the Bible as a witness. Let's start with verse 39. He tells the Pharisees, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. So the Bible's purpose is to teach us to trust Jesus as the one who has life in himself. But the Pharisees treated the Bible as though it could save them by itself. That's getting it completely backwards. So here's an analogy. It's kind of a silly one. It's a ridiculous one. But if I sent you a letter, like a handwritten letter, urgently, I send you a letter and I say, you need to hurry. You can save your life, but Right now, you need to find a life jacket. You know what I'm talking about? A float that's like a vest that you can put on or a boat, and you need to get inside because a flood is coming. Like any minute, a flood is coming. And instead of finding a float or a life jacket or a boat, you stick the letter on yourself. It said it could save, it said it could save me. If you do that, you're going to drown. The Pharisees took the Bible, which was telling them, you need to put on a life jacket, and his name is Jesus. And instead, they stuck the letter to themselves and said, this is going to save me. The Bible doesn't give life on its own. What does the Bible do? It bears witness to Jesus. All of it's written so that you, as you spend time in it, would trust him more. You would trust a person more, and he saves us. That's the reason week in and week out we study this scripture. We don't think that by studying the scripture, we're going to gain salvation. We think that when we spend time in this word, it helps us trust Jesus more. And that's what we want because he has life in himself. We want to see through what this text is saying, trust what it says so that we can trust a person. And that's what the Pharisees miss. You see that in verse 40? Jesus says, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So Jesus is telling these people, you love the Bible. Just because someone loves the Bible doesn't mean that they're a Christian. These people love the Bible, but he's saying you love it for the wrong reasons. You think it's a life jacket. You don't love it because it leads you to me, to trust me, and that's what it's for. 
The Bible is precious not because it has power to save us by itself. It's precious because by reading it, you can grow in trusting Jesus who has life in himself. And that's what we need. That's what we need. This is not a discouragement, by the way, from reading the Bible. I hope you don't hear this and think, well, I shouldn't read the Bible because these guys read the Bible and they got it all wrong. No, no, no. You want to be close to Jesus. You want that. I'm telling you, you want that. He has life in himself, and this is the Father's testimony so that you can get close to him. But don't miss the point. The point is to trust him more. There's a warning in this text, isn't there? The warning is you can, you can love the Bible for the wrong reasons. You can search it, study it, memorize it, talk about it. You can love to talk about it with other people without trusting Jesus. And that's the great aim of the Bible, is that you trust Him. We need to read through the text. We need to study it carefully so that through it, through it, we get to trust Him more. So we need to ask, okay, if it's possible, if it's possible to love the Bible without really loving the great purpose of the Bible, which is to trust Jesus, how are we in danger of doing that? So we don't want to do this. So how might we be in danger of treating the Bible as though it has life in itself? I'm going to list a few ways, okay? You may struggle more or less with these or not at all, but I want us to be warned so that we can be on guard. The first way we can use and love the Bible wrongly, as though it has life in itself, is when we treat the Bible as though the words themselves are magic. So one way I do this, or I can do this, I'm tempted to do this, is I read the Bible. So I wake up, I read the Bible, kind of tired in the morning. So I read through the Bible. I don't really understand or trust what I read. I close it, and I think that the simple act of reading the Bible, which I did, I opened it up, my eyes passed over it, I close it. I think that the simple act of reading the Bible has magically made me more holy or somehow has provided spiritual protection for me or will make me more blessed. That's treating the Bible like magic, like a ritual. It's actually trusting what you read, trusting Jesus through what you read that makes you more holy, that changes you, that blesses you. So that's one way we can treat the Bible as though it has life in itself. Here's another way. When we believe that reciting Bible words provides protection against demons and power over your circumstances. So saying the words of the Bible out loud and repeating them doesn't do anything. You believe that? It doesn't do anything by itself. The power of the Bible is not in the words themselves. It's when you trust God through what he says. So I'm going to give an example. Let's say you're walking by yourself in a dark street and suddenly you get scared. You know what that's like. And Psalm 23 comes to your mind, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
you could say those words out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. Mechanically, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. As though saying the words is somehow going to repel demons or have the power to change your scary circumstance. When we do that, we're treating the words of the Bible as though they have life in themselves, like they're magic, magic bullets. Demons aren't afraid of Bible words. You should know that. Demons, Satan, they know the Bible better than you do. You remember how, how Satan tries to tempt Jesus? He uses Bible. He's not, a, he's not afraid of you saying it. And saying Bible words doesn't have power to change your circumstances. The power of Psalm 23 is when you recite it to yourself and trust God through Christ with what it says. So, you, so you're scared in that alley, and you say, God, you say that you're my shepherd. Please shepherd me. I trust that you're the one who guides me. You keep me. You're the one who cares for me. I'm afraid. Shepherd me, God. You say you're a shepherd. Lead me. Do you see the difference? One way uses the words as though they're magic, just saying them. The other sees that the Bible is calling us to come to a person and trust him through the words. Here's another way we can use the Bible wrongly, as though it has life in itself. When we study the Bible in order to increase our own worthiness for salvation. This is what the Pharisees did. This is how the Pharisees used the Bible wrongly. They believed that the more Bible they knew, the more worthy they were in the eyes of God. So they thought that simply knowing Bible imparts spiritual life to you, spiritual worth. When we feel more worthy of God's love because we know the truth, is that anyone in here? When we feel more worthy of God's love because we know the truth, or we feel that God owes us because we know the truth, we actually demonstrate that we've missed the truth. Knowing lots of Bible cannot give you any spiritual life. Knowing lots of Bible is supposed to make you understand that you need the worth and spiritual life of Jesus. That's what reading the Bible should do. It should drive you downward to say, I need to trust Him. He's got the life. He's got the worth that I need. The scripture doesn't give life like that. It points us to the one who has life. Approach your Bible that way. Approach your Bible on your knees as though the point of the Bible is to make you cast your eyes off yourself and cast them on Jesus to trust in him. Jesus wants us to listen to the testimonies of John the Baptist and he wants us to listen especially to the testimonies of his father, but he wants us to listen rightly. He wants us to come to him. Unbelievers, those you're not sure you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, hear God's testimony. You can have life if you come to Jesus. 
You can have life. He has life in himself. All these testimonies, this entire book, John the Baptist's ministry, all the miracles of Jesus are so that you would be able to have confidence. This one really does have life. He can really forgive my sins through what he did on the cross, and he can really change me. Come to him. Do you see that's the point? Jesus is saying, you don't come to me. You should come to me. That's what all this is about. Come to him in faith, and he will, this is a promise, give you life. Christians, do you know Jesus? Do you trust him? He's got life in himself. What he wants for you is to draw near to him, draw closer to him. You read this book, and you say, I trust this. Not like it's magic, or not like it makes me more worthy, but the God who says this is going to fulfill all his promises, and I trust him. You want that kind of life? You can get more of it by drawing near to Jesus through this word. Hear the testimony. Come to him and believe. Let's pray. Oh, God, we thank you for your word. Father, that you would testify so that we could hear. Father, that you would send John the Baptist so that we might be saved. You do it because you're gracious. All the works you've given to your son and all the scripture are to lead us to trust him. Oh, help us, Father. We know through your word that we don't have the power to change ourselves. So, God, would you, through Jesus, help us to trust you more? Please. We want to draw near to you. We want to draw near to you through your son because he has life in himself. Thank you. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.